Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Joe, we are live, and I have a Fightful Mania shirt on. <laughs> unbelievable. What's up, everybody? February 27th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro, joined alongside, as always, by Sean Rossap, who, uh, if you follow his Instagram, uh, or in general, all his social media, at Sean Rossap, yours truly, at Showdown Joe, you'll see confessions, you'll see crazy videos, you'll see nonstop Sean Rossap in his glory to the point where... I have friends messaging me saying, when is your Maho podcast on? I mean, that, that's what we do. Did you see the video I posted yesterday? That, I, I saw it on, the, on my on my timeline, but I haven't clicked it. I'm like, I need at least five minutes to enjoy. Is it more than five minutes? Nah, it's a couple minutes. I okay. I might pull it up today and, and run it just because. Okay. Because I've got a lot of people <laughs> asking if I'm going to have it on Listen you Boy. So, I mean, we, we anytime I do a, a video like that, but... It's in response to a WWE announcer who insinuated that all pro wrestling journalists really wanted to work for WWE, which couldn't be further from the truth. I was going to say, I don't think so. Uh-uh, uh-uh. But we got a lot going on right now. There is a John Jones hearing going on, and it ain't looking too hot for Jones. It looks like it's going to be ultimately left up to the Calif- or not California State Athletic Commission, rather, uh, USADA, who... Based on the the stuff that he's presented here today, it may be a lengthy suspension, but he says that he has never knowingly ingested Terinabol. They had an expert there. He has suggested maybe somebody spiked his drink. He said that he can't promise that it wouldn't happen again because this happened again. He, He even went as far as to say, 
listen, guys, I know I'm not the smartest person in the room, but do you all realize how dumb it would be for me to take something like this the week that I fought? And that that's where I sympathize with the John Jones. And I'm not that learned on the situation, but man, there are a lot of situations where you're like, why, why would he do that? Because he's been down this road before. Why would he do that? Well, I, I mean, but from day one, you know, I've always wanted to give John the benefit of the doubt, right? I always have. Um, but there's always, and, and in my conversations with a lot of guys that work with um, power lifters and, and, you know, some Olympic athletes and just athletes in general, if they think they can get away with something, they're going to give it a shot because they're told based on this, 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 and this, you're not going to get caught because we did it with this guy, that girl, this guy, that girl, uh, do it. And some athletes are like, you know what? I'll do it. I'm not saying John did that. I'm saying that's 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 the the, the sentiment out there with a lot of different people uh, in in sports in general, not just combat sports. I'm talking professional hockey, baseball, football. You just never know. But from day one, I've kind of given John the benefit of the doubt because I remember having that conversation with him uh, while we were in Buffalo. Um, he was actually, if everyone recalls, I didn't stay at the UFC hotel when I went down there. I was at a separate hotel. Jimmy and I got a different hotel, uh, and John was there with his family uh, and, and, and other people. And I had a nice conversation with John uh, at the at the lobby restaurant, just blah blah. blah. And I can tell that you know he, he was sorry as to what went down, uh, and he wasn't ever going to do it again from before. Yeah. And then lo and behold, shortly thereafter, I was just like, man, this guy. I'm not saying that he's a great actor and he can lie to someone's face, but it, it wasn't like we were having a media interview or a conversation. It was just or, – or, or something that was going to be on the record. It was just him and I chatting, two dudes. So that's yeah. why from day one I felt like, you know, but, you know, and then you had guys that came on our podcast previously before we called it the Holy Smokes podcast that were just kind of like, Joe, man, you got to wake up, dude. You got to wake up. And I'm like, all right, well, whatever. It's all yeah, good. It's funny because John Jones has been accused of playing a role, playing a character for so long. And I want to tell you a funny story that I didn't believe until years later. I had a friend uh, named Sunil, and he was friends with that uh, with a guy who knew John Jones in the New York area. And <laughs> this Sunil guy was an admitted Big Pride fan, and he said that John Jones was once with that friend and took the phone and like said to him, "How does it feel to know I'm going to kick the shit out of all of your heroes?" And this was. Like 2010, 2011-ish. Before the John Jones issues that we know today. And I never... And I was like, really? Really? Because, you know, I never covered events live at that point. And then looking back today, I'm like, man, does that make a lot of sense? Does that... Like, I believe the story now. I, it's not like I didn't believe the guy. I did just... I was like, maybe it's some embellishment. But John Jones is now saying that he hasn't done any tutorials for USADA, that his management did it. Like, it's just... It's not looking good. We're going to have a full rundown over at Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. But, oh my God. But the fact that he even admitted that he didn't take the mandatory, I think, USADA tutorials, that's bad. Yeah, it's That's bad. bad. Yeah. And he's getting grilled by the commissioner right now, I hear. Just uh, not Pat Lundvall level, like a reasonable level. Although I'm expecting Pat Lundvall's music to hit and her to bust in and crack him over the head with a steel chair at any minute. <laughs> that train's never late. She's going to make her, her return. But uh, John Jones doesn't want to be labeled a cheater, and I think that's ultimately his goal. And Man, I on one hand, I feel for him because I can 
see that he could possibly be a victim of circumstance. But man, when you have all that evidence that mounts up and you have a storied history of being a piece of shit, <laughs> then, I mean, that's going to come against you, right? Like, yeah. You know, the DUIs and the cocaine and the the unknowingly ingesting the the dick pills, or he, he knowingly ingested dick pills, but the substance. He bragged about them. Yes. In fact, uh, you, I believe you all got a video from Buffalo where he said, oh, no, yeah, I'm not – he goes, I'm not advising anybody to not take sex pills. They're fucking awesome is what he well, said. He, in essence, he pretty much endorsed it, right? Like he pretty much said – I was like, all right, dude, like, okay. You, no. I mean he will get like a Cialis sponsorship when this is all said and done, I would imagine. <laughs> and if he doesn't, I don't know what the hell he's doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean the sport could use John Jones, but oh, the sport – doesn't need John Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like guys like that. I mean, there's some stuff that Colby Covington posted. I don't know if you saw what he posted about Mike Perry and his girlfriend. Yeah. Like that. I mean, and, and right away, who was it? Julie Kedzie, I think, posted, like retweeted it and was like, this is not a good look, UFC. Right. And she's bang on. Like they didn't have I, this problem to that degree when they didn't host summits. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I mean you, you would occasionally have Miguel Torres making, like, a rape van joke, and I think Forrest Griffin did as well. But it's much more prevalent these days. I'm, I'm thinking, like, I mean, it, it's hard to discuss that sometimes when you think about You go back and you look at what Chael Sonnen did in his prime with Anderson Silva. I mean, how far at times did he cross the line when he said, you know, tell your wife I'm coming over, get that barbecue going, I want a steak, and I'm going to slap her in the ass or something like that, right? Like yeah, He stole the Rick Rude promo. Yeah. He's going to punch yeah, your Doberman right? in the mouth, slap your wife on the ass, yada, yada. So, yeah. But then Colby Covington coming out and, and, and tweeting that, you know, basically that Mike Perry is an inbred and that having your, your wretched-faced girlfriend in your corner screaming, like, dude – Called her a ratchet horse face. Did you see what she posted on Instagram? No, I didn't. No, a picture of her with a horse that said "just horsing around." Oh, good for her. Good sense of yeah. humor. Yeah, like <laughs> well, you can't be calling someone's girl that. Like, it's like I get it. Sometimes you got to promote things and blah blah. But there's got to be a line at some point where you, as a human being, are like, yeah, I think I've gone too far here. You know what? That may not be something good to post, right? Like, mm-hmm. love seeing Colby Covington fight. Love the fact that he makes headlines, but. Sometimes there's a line that just can't be crossed, in my opinion. And going after somebody's girl or a significant other, uh, no matter what persuasion you are from uh, or you practice, it's just – I mean it's not cool in my opinion. But who am I, right? Yeah, no, back back to the Jones thing. Like he still has to face USADA, and he just admitted that he didn't take the – what I assume are mandatory USADA tutorials, that his management did it for him. That's not a good start. Um, we could see John Jones perhaps – heading to a different entertainment field, much like we saw Ronda Rousey do this weekend. How was that? So she stumbled a bit on Sunday, and I had people close to her that were kind of upset about the criticism. I don't know if they were upset about the criticism um, that we gave her, but I thought it all worked out well. She put Triple H through a table, took a big smack from Stephanie, and when Stephanie... McMahon slapped Ronda Rousey. They got the best reaction possible. The whole crowd chanted at Stephanie, you fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like there's that aura of Ronda Rousey. And I had some people saying like, 
oh, don't don't you think Ronda Rousey should beat an established wrestler to prove she's a threat? You don't have to. She is Ronda Rousey. She is a threat. And she showed up last night, did remarkably well on the microphone, better than a lot of longtime WWE wrestlers do. It's like that that nervousness got out of her. We'll see how it goes from here on. But Ronda Rousey, I think, has paved the way for a lot of people because, and I think this last several years, Joe, I mean, there was just a couple of years ago, I would talk to people like Liam McGeary, and he would just laugh out loud when I would bring up pro wrestling. There is not a single person that James Lynch asks anymore on, on his interviews, hey, would you be interested in pro wrestling? Unanimously, they say, yeah, I'd be interested in doing that. Why wouldn't I be interested in doing that? Uh, to the point to where Pearl Gonzalez, uh, bless her heart, I don't think she understands the, the innuendo or connotation, said that her gimmick would be the clam. So, uh, <laughs> so Pearl, maybe don't do that. I get it, Pearl Clam, but uh, maybe maybe never do that. But it's I'm, I'm this has go opened with, up uh, a lot of doors. So, so I got two questions for you. I know it's an MMA podcast, guys and girls uh, over in the live chat, and everyone tuned in who's not on the live chat. Don't forget, top right of your screen. Um, I don't know why. Who, who was it? Was it Vinny? One second. No, it was uh, Ole Samuel. wants me to point at my shirt. All right. It's just a Nike golf shirt. I ain't getting paid <laughs> by Nike. I just like the color. Well, I do uh, get paid by Fightful, and this is the Fightful Mania t-shirt. And this thing is as soft as melted butter. My God. <laughs> ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. For uh, a very limited time, through tomorrow, you can get 20% off these shirts by using the code new site 20% off head over there we have the classic fightful tee we have the ya boy shirt we have the you have opinionated wrongfully which is going away very soon so definitely head over there check it out lots of good stuff over there at uh, pro wrestling tees I for one don't own any of the fightful shirts yet ladies and gentlemen oh, we'll so if anybody if anybody wants to gift me one wants to buy it for my birthday September um, you know, or, or oh, we'll, have, we'll have one sent to you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. But um, so I got two questions for you regarding uh, professional wrestling. Um, yeah. The first one is regarding. So obviously Ronda Rousey goes in there. Um, you said the nervousness has gone out. She was great on the mic. Um, that comes with repetition. No matter mm-hmm. what you do in life, even you know you've done voiceover work before. I've done voiceover work before. Your game improves every time you do a voiceover. Yeah. Right, especially if you want to do different character voices, right? I don't do character voices. You do. I just, you know, this is my voice. I can, I can go up or down or get dramatic and whatnot. But I, with experience, uh, I'm way better than I was eight years ago when I started over at Sportsnet. Now it's a completely different game. I can do voiceover work, no problem. So leading up to where Ronda Rousey is doing that type of mic work in front of a crowd uh, of that size and that audience, um, you know, on television, is that something that that they would teach? up-and-coming wrestlers, whether NXT or in general, how to do it and practice that you've got to do it in front of us sort of thing? Yeah, they have promo class there. Actually, Anna Bauer in EPW is helping some of their people with promo classes because uh, it's just, you know, as an actress, that's just something that she is used to. It's something that she does all the time. But, uh, like, it is it is a major part, too, and it is something that they, they put a lot of stock into and they work with these people with, on and... Ronda Rousey, I think, I don't know that she's had that much help in that department. I think most of it's based on her acting skills and things like that. And she's had plenty of acting experience at this point, more than a lot of the people in WWE developmental do. So I thought that the improvement from night one to night two worked very well. And you can tell that she wants it and that she likes it. 
And uh, the fact that she was at WWE Raw last night and Brock Lesnar wasn't, even though he was scheduled, kind of takes it to our next point. Now, wait, before we get to that point, yeah, I want to, because that's a big point. We're going to get to that. Um, and I've got my opinion on that. So do you. But uh, the second thing I want to follow up with is with what you mentioned with James Lynch asking all these different uh, mixed martial arts. Hey, man, would you consider or ma'am, would you consider professional wrestling or the WWE as a career? My question to you is. The schedule that they go through is is incredible, especially if you're you're on that tour. Um, the other thing I want to consider is, you know, do you know on average what the average salary is for someone under the WWE roster? Six figures at the very least, usually about one seventy five to two twenty five k a year. But and, I mean, Ronda Rousey's making a lot more than that. Oh, for sure. So if that is the average, do you know what potentially the term of a contract would be? Would it be uh, a one-year deal? Could two it be signed deals. for it's a two-year deal? So you got two years potentially, you know, 200K, maybe 300K? Yeah. I, I could see definitely why anyone from the mixed martial arts world under the UFC banner would be more than happy to, to migrate over. Your now schedule's that's, crazy. That's with, but, a full, that's with a full schedule too so i mean rousey's gonna make significantly more she's probably gonna make seven figures easy for a limited limited schedule yeah so i mean didn't you call me the brock lesnar or ronda rousey a fightful because you only work special pay-per-view days and tuesdays (laughs) all right brock lesnar was not at wwe raw last night uh therefore this is an mma show he is the former UFC heavyweight champion. Where there's smoke, there may be fire. Yeah, so WWE Elimination Chamber was in Las Vegas on Sunday. Brock Lesnar was in Las Vegas on Sunday and took a picture with Dana White. Now, Dana White is more than happy to help them work, as they say, work an angle. And it's very unclear right now. We've got some people saying that Lesnar was actually planned in uh, into the show as recently as Monday, and other people are saying that uh, this was their way of kind of getting Brock Lesnar's opponent over a little bit more. But uh, Brock Lesnar's opponent, Roman Reigns, took to the mic last night and said, well, Brock was uh, supposed to be here, but he's not because he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit, and he was at Elimination Chamber last night, but he was taking pictures of Dana White all over the strip. Now, Dana White is all too happy to just help them perpetuate this because a picture with Brock Lesnar is good for his business no matter what. But Brock Lesnar still has half of a year of a USADA suspension to serve, and he's not back in the USADA pool yet. So uh, I have been told last week that uh, Lesnar told Vince McMahon that he is out after August, but that's something that Brock Lesnar does every time his contract's coming up. He gets WrestleMania-itis and wants to renegotiate his deal. So there you go, but... uh, would you be interested in watching Brock Lesnar return given the nature of his last fight against Mark Hunt and how, I mean, it was a win, but he had it wiped because of his drug test failures. If Brock Lesnar, if it can be proven that Brock Lesnar is clean, is a clean competitor? Yes, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Now there's, there's there's a whole lot of confusion. He can definitely compete. Yeah. He can compete with anyone in that division. There's a whole lot of confusion about, why he got the exemption that he got in 2016. And I'll explain it to you guys. Brock Lesnar got that exemption. It's not like they didn't like make a make a rule for him. It wasn't like a special thing. Brock Lesnar had never been with UFC since USADA had been there. He had never come to contractual 
terms with UFC with USADA as a part of that deal. They can't hold him up to something contractually that he does in that regard. I mean, they could try to negotiate it in, sure, but if he doesn't want to do it, they can't hold him to that. He retired well before that, as did Chuck Liddell, as did Forrest Griffin. So if they were to have came back, they would have gotten that same exemption. However, there were people who did retire. Uh, Brendan Schaub, for example. USADA went to Brendan Schaub after he stopped fighting, and they said, listen, we need your retirement uh, forms and all that stuff. Schaub signed those. If he were to come back, he would have to wait out that period. There was a situation with Angela Hill where she was released, not of her own volition, and then she had to wait out that period, and they made an exemption for that moving forward. It's the Angela Hill rule, where you have to exit the USADA pool uh, on your own to be put in on that, uh, that wait list, essentially. It happened to GSP, who entered the USADA pool on his own, and then left it on his own, and he had to wait a while. So he kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit there, which, not like he cares, but... There wasn't any real special treatment given to Brock in that regard. I mean, was it an exploitation of a loophole? Oh, you damn right it was. But that loophole does not exist anymore, especially considering that he, or for him, that that loophole does not exist anymore, especially given that he left, got suspended, retired, all that stuff. Like, just, just a mess, man. Frosty the Snowman on the top on our uh, on our chat states this quote: "The UFC and the UFC fighters are going to starve Colby Covington. They are not going to sign a bout agreement with him, and he will be stuck in the stuck. The guy wait, he will be stuck. The guy is in great. He'll be stuck. The guy is in great shape, ready to go, but no one will sign." End quote. I respectfully disagree. Uh, I know a variety of fighters who are chomping at the bit. To to be the one that silences Colby Covington, Kamaru aka would fight him this weekend. Kamaru Usman would, was on his way right now to fight him, probably. Like, I mean, yeah. that's that's you know. Although it was weird at Titan FC, you know, who was in attendance. I don't know if you watched the the broadcast. So Kamaru's obviously to my right, to my left um, was uh, Masvidal, Jorge Masvidal. Ooh, ooh, yeah. And I just I kept then they and you can, I mean, I'm not saying. What's that? Uh, what does Superman have? That X-ray vision? You could feel that heat. And I, every time I would look over at at Masvidal, and I'd kind of look over at Kamaru, they were like they were never locking eyes on one another, but they were looking at each other. Not a lot, but enough to be like, I know you're here. I know you're there. Oh boy. But in terms of Colby Covington, just follow Kamaru Usman's uh, social media. I mean, he's calling that guy out all the time, and I don't know what's happening. He's saying Colby keeps just keeps um, declining the fights. Right, so it, it's kind of weird. I, Colby's not getting a title shot. No, like, not right now. He's not. He's got to fight at least once, maybe twice. So uh, I was thinking all weekend about Darren Till. Like, is he injured? No, he is something? saying that he's going to come to an agreement, or they'll probably announce a fight within the next three or four weeks, and then he'll be good about uh, six to eight weeks after that. He wants to fight in Dublin, but it's been four months, and it's like he was in a cave until this last weekend, and. Now that Perry fight isn't happening, and yeah, it's done. They already had Perry scheduled for Ponza Nibio when he did that awesome cage run in, but Teal, or I mean Perry, almost willed himself into that fight. He didn't deserve it; like he wasn't at that level. Darren Teal's a top ten welterweight. He deserves a top ten opponent. So let's get Darren Teal back in the cage, like f- to have somebody that hot as he was at that moment. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, how do you not do that? And how, I mean, 
how do you not run Teal versus Covington? How do you not do that right now with the amount of trash they've talked back and forth? That fight is ready-made. That is a, a main event. It's you got to do it. You got to do it. And there's no reason to have Teal out of the cage if he's not hurt for seven, eight months after That's what that, I'm saying. that breakout victory. You know, you got you've got to ride that wave. Obviously, you've got to heal. You've got to go through your medical suspension, which I think he only got thirty days. If I'm not mistaken, he got a thirty day medical suspension, which basically means you let your body heal, right? Yeah. You get a long training camp, thirty basic. days. So. That's what I'm thinking. But in terms of, you know, that, that whole Mike Perry run to the cage, I mean, we, you and I talked about it at length. The, the, the chat and everybody on here was all over that situation. But we knew that Perry was with Ponzinibbio, and that was a big test for him. He failed that test, and then he got Max Griffin, who many people thought, okay, Perry's going to get back on the winning track. That did not happen. Yeah. He got ripped open right off the, the first 30 seconds. Uh, did, did pretty damn good for a comeback. It wasn't enough. Max Griffin did what he he needed to do. So Mike Perry's now um, on a two fight losing skid. I like Mike Mike Chiesa's tweet afterwards though, because Mike Chiesa said, "Look, man, you guys need to stop dropping Mike Perry and sleeping on this guy. He's young, he's raw, he's got tons of power, he's got tons of time to build um, a great arsenal of mixed martial arts." And maybe he wasn't exactly. I mean, we've seen it with Misha Tate when Misha Tate competed against Ronda Rousey the second time. It was the third time, second time. Where the MMA, you know, IQ kind of went out the window. You know, you were doing something good and you decided to do something you shouldn't have did. Uh, and that's what Mike Perry did a few times in his fight with Max Griffin. So uh, I, I'm still high on Mike Perry. I, I'm not writing him off for anything because he's young and that career can turn around real quick. Yeah, and there were a lot of happenings at, at UFC Orlando. That was a good show. That was just a good show. Josh Emmett got beaten by Jeremy Stevens. I loved what Jeremy Stevens did, saying right after the fight, now we know who the hardest-hitting 145-pounder was because he knows that that's right now. That's what he's known for, was getting clowned by McGregor. I thought that was a great way to turn that around. I want your thoughts on the the illegal, not illegal elbows. Every fighter's meeting I've been in, and I said this on the UFC Orlando wrap-up, every fighter's meeting I've been in, the referee will tell you, if you turn into the shots, I'm probably not going to call them. Uh, also, the same could be said for uh, the the backpack spike, which I thought was awesome in that Ronnie Yaya fight. They'll tell you, if you hold on to that guillotine, if you hold on to that triangle, if you hold on to that backpack and you get spiked, that's on you. You, you know that you can let go of it. You're at risk. Uh, then there was much discussion about the knee. Jeremy Stevens throws illegal knees all the time. I, like two or three different times this has happened now. It happened in the Edgar fight, too. And uh, fortunately for Edgar, he was able to catch a single leg, take uh, Stevens down. This one grazed and hit on the way down, but Daniel Cormier had it out with Dominic Cruz on the broadcast. And for one, I think Dominic Cruz should not be on the broadcast team anytime one of his friends, one of his teammates, anybody is on the show because it's conflict of interest. But what did you think of those strikes in particular? Uh, in the heat of the moment, I could see why it was a Murgliata. It was Murgliata. Um, wasn't able to do much, uh, and didn't call them. Uh, upon further review, uh, I don't think Jeremy Stevens should be penalized in any way. I think he did do what he had to do to emerge victorious. Josh did turn into some of those elbows, and at the same time, um, the knee didn't hit, but the knee was thrown. Uh, to a downed opponent. So in my opinion, if Josh Emmett, and he has uh, filed for an appeal, 
I think that bout should be turned over into no contest because the reason technically you could make the argument that he lost that fight or the reason why he got KO'd or TKO was because of illegal blows, whether intentional or not. The the addition of one illegal blow to another to another to another caused him to be dazed and confused, which didn't have give, didn't give much of a chance to recover. So Jeremy Stevens did a great job in winning that fight. Um, what he like, I mean, if, if you're throwing elbows, and you know, you, you said it, if you're throwing elbows, you're throwing any strikes, and I, I'm throwing, and that you're turning your head and it hits you, I wasn't intentionally trying to hit you in the back of the head. You turned, right? Now, especially, I mean, if, if anyone's ever trained anything, anything at all that, that requires striking, if you're throwing combinations, when you commit to a combination, whether it's a, a, a jab, cross, left hook, jab, cross, jab, cross, uh, or, or a flurry, when you commit, you're not going to stop until you react and see something you shouldn't be doing. So by the time you react to your opponent turning their head, you may have landed two or three of those punches, especially if you've got speed. So with Jeremy Stevens trying to end the fight, trying to finish the fight, and going through a flurry, and then Josh turning around, by that point there, he's landed two or three elbows, turned around and realized, okay, I can't do that, and now Josh is getting up. I'm full of adrenaline. I'm going to time as he gets up. Josh doesn't get up throws the knee, grazes the head, so you've got a succession of illegal blows that connected, most of them with the exception of the knee really, but that connected to Josh Emmett's head that caused him to be you know, concussed, dazed and confused, unable to recover. Jeremy goes in for the finish, fight over. In the heat of the moment, I get it, I understand it. I don't really fault Murgliata, to be honest with you, but upon further review, with replay, with commissions being able to look at it, I think Josh Emmett has a great case for himself to have that fight turned into a no contest. That was a main event that capped off just an awesome show. Andrade versus Torres. What a fight that was. You saw a lot of good out of Torres in that first round. But Andrade just overwhelmed Torres and had some violent high-velocity takedowns. <laughs> now, you, you got to know, you, you got to believe that Andrade is really hoping that Rose Namajunas uh, wins that that fight against Joanna because Joanna beat Andrade less than a year ago. But here Andrade is, five out of her last six. We thought that she would move up to the flyweight division after fighting at 135 and beating the woman who is contending for the UFC Bantamweight Championship very soon. But no, no, she's going to keep plugging away and wins over Torres and Gedalia. That'll get it done, Joe. My God. Uh, Torres, Gedalia, Angela Hill, Jessica Panay, Joanne Calderwood. All of those women are women who are at the top of this division or have held titles in Invicta or something like that because Joanne Calderwood at one point looked like a world beater. But Andrade has had some kind of run at uh, strawweight. Yeah, and it doesn't matter who wins the title or who wins the title fight. She should get next in line. Or, I mean, are you and I going to sit here with everyone paying attention? Are we going to have the argument that if, if you know, Johanna wins the belt back, does, does Rose get a rematch? Yeah, I think that's the way they would go. I think they would do the trilogy while they could because I don't think it's a surprise. I don't think it'd be a surprise if Johanna just moved up to 125 of her own volition because... You know, I just I just would imagine she'd be a happier, better person there. As most people who are fighting at 115 and would prefer to be at 125. But now with all the people moving to 125, there might be some people that are like, you know what, I'll stick at 135 or 125. I see more opportunity here. Uh, we uh, James options. Lynch, yeah, James Lynch talked to Ashley Evans Smith 
this week, and she straight up said, I saw more opportunities at 125, and so will a lot of girls, but eventually that'll go away. I thought that fight was awesome. I thought that I, I thought it should have been fight of the night over Juban and Ben Saunders, but that was a hell of a fight too. So what a card this was. This was just the second straight week where they had a card that didn't have a whole lot of name value, but it delivered in the cage. Yeah, I mean, for for you know, even even the hardcore fans, if not the fans that are you know mainstream slash fringe hardcore, this was a solid card. This was a great card. I mean, it's not a Fox card that technically should be a Fox card, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, you, you'd figure a Fox card would have um, a number one contender fight, at the very least a title fight. Um, it's different than what we're used to or what the original concept and idea was for a Fox show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, Elo Latifi doing what he did to OSP was Ooh, ridiculous. 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 I mean, OSP is just, and we talk about it all the time. We don't know which one's going to show up. He's a win away from a title fight. Uh, Eler Latifi is. He's won five of his last six. He's, I think, seven of his last nine. He's never lost two in a row in his career, much less the USC UFC. Uh, just since that Musashi fight that he took on really short notice, he is, I think, set. Yeah, seven and two in the UFC, beating OSP, Tyson Pedro, Jean Vellante, some people who have. Hung around that top 15. I would say give him a top 10 fight. This was a top 10 fight in that division. But you got some guys. They're not big names. But you know you got a Shogun. You have an Aler Latifi. You have a couple people who can maybe get something done in the time that Daniel Cormier is gone. Uh, I, I think that Gustafson's won two in a row. So if he wins again, you've got that option. You're slowly starting to get the options there. I mean, Aler Latifi is far from a sexy option from a pay-per-view standpoint. But... That was a very sexy performance, you could say. Um, also, on this show, Marion Renault made her case. At, it, she defeated Sarah McMahon. She took what a that fight. fight. Took that fight from Sarah McMahon. Uh, I've said this before. I used to see Sarah McMahon's boyfriend trashing catch wrestling in a bunch of Facebook groups back in the day. And I'm thinking, how were her last three losses by submission? You should maybe maybe get on that, maybe work on that because she fades, and that is very exemplary of her UFC career. And Marion Renault took it, and not just that. When you become a contender at 135, Joe, you become a contender at 145 too. So she's got yeah. options right now. At 40 years old, she has options. I mean, what a fight that was. I mean, are you surprised though? Because you're probably not. You're probably not. I mean, I'll, I'll throw it out there though, but. To see Sarah, Mc, Sarah McMahon submit to that triangle choke, especially when it was first locked on with her hand inside, she had she had her obviously the triangle was in there, but she had her I think it was her left hand inside to protect her her carotid artery. Yeah, she removed it. I mean that, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do your whatever you can to drive your hand until it gets to your wrist. Your wrist becomes your forearm, and then you can start using leverage as it gets to your elbow uh, to to free your neck. You're in a fight. You're gonna have to fight your way out of that submission, um, and, and to go down like that. I mean, Sarah McMahon to me is a, an elite, elite mixed martial artist. Um, does in she that have division? The, sure. Yeah, but to me, it's like. That's not something you should have submitted to. I know Renault's a black belt. Don't get me wrong. That squeeze must be intense, must be crazy. Um, but, but I mean, it just didn't make any sense to me. I, I was watching it, and I was in awe. 
I was shocked. Even my seven-year-old was sitting there going, what just happened there, daddy? I'm like, ah, you know, it's a triangle choke. It's what I've been teaching you for a while. You'll, you'll figure it out one day. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what a great story Miriam Renault is. Right? She has to go back to teach. Uh, can you imagine being one of her students? How cool is that? Right? Like, I know. Don't, don't mess with her. Had an interview with her on Fightful.com last week, too. Also, uh, Alan Juban, who he, he won as well. Uh, Sam Alvey, we've interviewed him in the past. He won with a big KO punch in the light heavyweight division. Joked that Daniel Cormier was ducking him, which I thought was funny. It's amazing. Uh, Ronnie Yaya, that performance was so dominant. Like, he is a guy that people have to watch out for. He was a guy, it's funny, I told you I used that that uh, simulator to help scout guys. And he was a guy who always on that simulator, when I would put him through there, he would win, 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 win. And that has summed up his last four years, essentially. Uh, he has one loss in his last eight fights, I think. And it is time after that, after especially winning six of seven, it's time to give him a big fight. Like Russell Doan, all, all due respect to him, he's probably done in the UFC after this. So I don't think, and you you could say, well, they kind of gave him one against a former title challenger in Joe Soto. Not really. Not really. Give him a, give him a good fight and give him a good fight in Brazil at that because he looked overwhelming. I don't ever want to be on the ground with that guy. No, he's sick. He's ridiculous. I mean, um, what, remember that Josh Grisby fight? That was a ridiculous. That was a north-south choke. That was amazing. Uh, I'm trying to think of the fight that he had with, um, yeah, with Mark, Mark Hominick. Um, when he reared, when he put Mark in the rear naked choke, I thought he's going to be fine. Mark will get out of this. And I'm like, oh, that was a minute and 19 seconds. What just happened there? Uh, and I remember Mark telling me that was one tight squeeze. So when you have that ability, I know Eddie Bravo used to talk about it all the time. If you ever watched any, any of Eddie Bravo's stuff, he has self drills that you yeah. can do while you're watching television. Um, you know, bringing your knee to your chest and just cupping it in the rear naked and squeeze, yeah. squeeze, 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 squeeze. I mean, I used to do a lot of the medicine ball stuff. The one thing I really liked about, you know, Mary Renault's post-fight interview is she said, I can hold that triangle choke for seven minutes. She knows, yeah. So if you know you can hold something for seven minutes, uh, it clearly means she trains that uh, in her quote-unquote spare time to hold that lock down for seven minutes because should she get that choke on and have to squeeze uh, someone of Sarah McMahon's caliber, she can, she can continue to squeeze whether it's at you know 75% to 100% and just alternate between that strength variance there because 75% squeeze from a black belt is 100% squeeze from a white belt or a blue belt. I'll tell you that right now, so – so like, and it's funny when I had a problem keeping my hands up. I remember remember hearing uh, Boss Rutten saying, "I stood in front of a mirror for like an hour with my hands up, and just looked at myself for that." And I did that, and I didn't have a problem keeping my hands up until I got shoulder injuries after that. You yeah, work that's on the... it. You do the muscle memory, and that's it. Shoulder injuries, shoulder damage, shoulder fatigue is the number one reason why the arms will drop. Right or a body kick to the to the yeah. liver, whatever. You know? I'll tell you something that confused me was both Josh Emmett and the commentary team suggesting that that uh, Josh Emmett would be in line, like be ready for a title shot after this. I'm like, uh, no, there's a co-main event on this pay per view coming up between Brian Ortega and Frankie Edgar. Uh, that it, that's it. So sure, whatever. Also, we interviewed Stevens and Emmett. Fightful.com last week. Very glad that Marina Morose was not rewarded for swatting at air for 15 minutes, and I don't know why the commentary team made such a big deal out of her volume. Joe, what good is the volume if 
you don't have any intent to land. It was feints the whole time. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not what you do, right? You're supposed to, you know, feints is one thing to set up your your second or third punch. Feints are there to determine what your opponent's reaction is. Should I throw the jab as an example, right? Yeah. Uh, ideally, you, you want to throw the jab. No, there's a variety of ways you can throw the jab to connect, but the jab will generally determine exactly where your opponent is trending. Left or right, back, straight, where are they going when I throw the jab? Because when I throw the jab the next couple times, I'm following it up with something else where I think my opponent's head or body is going to be. Uh, or if I'm setting it up to throw a kick, that's what a feint's for. If you're throwing nothing but feints, you're not fighting. You just All you did is you had 15 minutes of setting up something. Yeah. I just I heard them talk about volume, and I was like, really? Really? That's not volume. That's mute. That's what that is. That is just <laughs> nothing with the intent to land. Uh, Brian Kelleher looked great, and Hennon Burrell did not look great. Again, we interviewed Brian Kelleher uh, in the USADA era. Yeah. Burrell is 1-4, and, and Dominic Cruz on the broadcast was asked by Karen Bryant, what do you think is the issue here? And he goes, well, I don't know if I should get into what some of the people think the issue is. Kind of alluding to it without straight up saying it because, you know, he does have a job to do. I didn't Man. mind Burrell's performance in the first round. It just went downhill from there, I as sure you did. can tell. You know, and, and you know. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's weird because he's over at American Top Team, uh, and he's got bodies there that'll that'll push him and push him and push him and push him, but it, he's in a different era right now, right? I, I've been told the UFC likes Brian Kelleher a lot, too. Uh, his first win was against Yuri Alcantara. If you're beating Yuri Alcantara in your debut, that's something, especially yeah. with the performance of the night. He lost to Marlon Vera, but uh, he was quick to get back in the cage for the UFC, had a fight of the night against Damian Stasiak. Then he beat a former UFC champion. Not to mention, a couple of years ago in, in I think it was CES, he beat Andre Sukumtoth too. So that's a hell of a win. That's a big victory. He's got experience. I know that he fought Jimmy Rivera in Bellator. He's one of those guys that you'll hear us say this a lot of times. 
there's not going to be a lot that he's going to see in the UFC that he hasn't seen before. I mean, when you're facing guys like Sukumtoth and Jimmy Rivera before you get to the UFC, that's that's like Leota Machida. Remember when Leota Machida came to the UFC and it's like, oh, well, he's he's fought faced, BJ Penn. <laughs> he fought BJ Penn, and I think he had fought like Forrest Griffin. He had fought like a ton of people outside of the UFC. Uh, no, he bought, he fought Stephen Bonner, Rich Franklin. Michael McDonald, BJ Penn, and Vernon White before he even got to the UFC. That's what it was. And it's like, well, damn, that's <laughs> that's quite the, the first eight fights of your, your career. So, And that reflected pretty well for him. But, well, Kelleher's yeah. 31, so they got to pick up the pace a little bit with his career, in my opinion. Yeah, and here's the funny thing. You remember how we did that story? Or you did that story, uh, rather, and Casey Walton did some great research for us about the average age of UFC fighters. Yeah. I took a look. I had shelved an article that I planned in June of last year because I saw a young Curtis Blades coming up. I, I saw, saw the UFC signing a young Tai Tuivasa, and I was like, okay, maybe this will change. And from the point that you wrote that article, and we talked about how high the age was until now, even though the Blades and the Tuivasas of the world have emerged – the average age since then is actually up 0.1 in that division because of natural aging. Because it's been three months since you wrote that, and everybody on that top 15 outside of those two I just mentioned have naturally aged a quarter of a year since that point. So it actually pushed up the age a little bit. But without those two guys, it would have been a lot worse. Uh, so I that's something I love looking at is the average age, the median age, things like that of people who are ranked in the UFC and uh, that's something I'm going to keep my eye on a lot. Uh, we're going to do some cool stuff from that. But uh, UFC 222 this weekend. Myself and James Lynch will do a live post show. You know, Joe's on that Brock Lesnar schedule. He's out taking pictures with Dana White in Las Vegas, but not showing up to the pay-per-view the next day. That's what he does. <laughs> but he is here to preview it. But who cares what we think? Let's hear what the pros think of Cyborg Kunitskaya. I think Cyborg's going to win that fight. I think that um, Yana's definitely very creative, and she's a risk taker. She's such an exciting fighter. But I do think that uh, Chris is just amazing right now, and she's just on a roll. So I, I envision Chris taking it. Yeah, I mean, she was the the, uh, the former Invicta champion. Um, uh, she's not beating Cyborg. She, she, it's not going to happen. Um, I think Cyborg wins that fight easily. And smart move by Cyborg, by the way, taking that final short notice because – she can actually make 45 on short notice. She just can't make that. And she's going to get a good payday for, to me, in my opinion, no offense, but an easy win. So great, great move on her career to, you know, to not have to beat herself up for a whole training camp because it's short notice for both of them. And then also she, she's going to have the upper hand and she's going to, she's going to win, I think easily and, and get a good payday. I have to go a cyborg, you know, after kind of the Rousey hype train, um, I kind of want to see there be like a, a women's phenom that stays champion for you know a very long time and lives true to to what we think that she is. So I definitely am a cyborg fan and I think she's phenomenal and I just you know I, I continue to root for her every time she steps in there. It's kind of hard to go against cyborg against any woman like in the UFC you know in the world. Um, but yeah, yeah, Cyborg's got to be it. I would like to see Cyborg fight Valentina. If Valentina could get up there, Cyborg can go down there. I like Valentina a lot. But uh, other than that, I was just thinking about that with my girlfriend. But um, 
yeah, it's kind of hard to go against Cyborg, especially someone coming up from Invicta. And don't get me wrong, Invicta is an awesome fight uh, organization, but they come to the UFC uh, and then you know grow from there. So uh, I got to go with Cyborg, but you know anything could happen. I would guess Chris Cyborg, just because she's the champ. You know, she's got all the momentum. This is a, a four-week notice fight. Um, but I believe Chris Cyborg fight, uh, cuts a ton of weight, though. I mean, that could be a, that could be a big factor, especially on short notice. I mean, I don't think these girls had more than four weeks to prepare for this. Yeah, I, I guess uh, for a lot of people, they say, like, like who is that other girl? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't follow Invicta that much, so I never really even heard of the other one. But it seems like Cyborg just, like, the only – girl in that division able to do things a lot of 135ers are coming up to fight her you know and uh i know this this girl's uh supposedly a legit 45 or, or she was already on her way to 45s so uh i can't go against cyborg the girl's a killer i mean she she's on the top of her game right now and she's probably gonna be up there for a while so cyborg all day um so i would be crazy if i didn't say it's gonna be chris i mean she she's a power to be reckoned with honestly and um actually she's one of the she's really nice i really like her i fought on a couple invicta cards with her but she's just a beast in there she's on a whole nother level than these other people yana is is tough i actually fought on the same card as her last year and she's definitely a skilled fighter but you know with chris's size she just overwhelms people and just breaks their will to live and their face while she's at it actually so <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of breakage emotionally, physically. That that's pretty much what's gonna happen with this one. I mean, Yana might be able to hold on for dear life, but then I'm like, whew, I wouldn't want to be in the receiving end of one of those punches, though. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I always love hearing the pros picks that James Lynch gets for us. Of course, guys, you can check that out at FightfulMMA.com all the time. YouTube.com/slash/Fightful. Uh, and here's a funny thing. <laughs> I got a comment on the YouTube video the other day where somebody said, I don't even have to watch this. Everybody's picking Cyborg. I don't even need to do it. And I commented back, everybody didn't pick Cyborg. And then they commented back, all right, smartass, good job. You made me watch the whole thing. (laughs) And they all did pick Cyborg. (laughs) That's terrible. That's terrible. Oh, God. That's what I do. What will I do for those views? Well, the funny thing is, is before we even came on air, one of the things I just, as we were doing our sound checks, I, my sound check, ladies and gentlemen, was basically this: uh, Sean, Christian, Justino, Cyborg, a minus yeah. seventeen hundred, minus one thousand seven hundred, and Sean's reply was, "That's a bargain." Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, uh, not not to take anything away from Yana, and, and and I will to this day, you can never convince me otherwise. A fight is a fight. Anything can happen. Uh, I remember heading into that fight, um, was it two, three months ago? When did um, Cyborg and, and um, Avenger fight? Oh, that was, that was uh, July last year. Yes. Sorry. I'm thinking uh, Holly Holm. But that Avenger fight, I mean, that thing went to the third round, but no one gave Tanya a shot in that fight. And she made it to the third round and didn't look great, but yeah. didn't look bad, but then got tuned. Um, that's what Cyborg does to people. And I mean, she arguably is the greatest of all time. 
hey, what's going on, Hafid Darbaki, who's on our live chat right now? That boy there has got a future in mixed martial arts. Sean Rossap and everybody, Hafid uh, was alongside Frank Trigg and I, as well as the staff at Ryzen. Uh, he was doing some work with Ryzen. Uh, you want to? Don't forget the name, people. Hafid Darbaki. He's right now on our live chat. That guy there uh, is going to be somebody in the world of mixed martial arts. You mark my words. Uh, but yes. I can't wait to see uh, that. Yeah, good dude, good dude. Uh, the California State Athletic Commission pretty much <laughs> recommended to John Jones that he get rid of Malki Kawa. Oh! Yeah. Says that his management team is enabling him in ways that he they shouldn't be. Uh, should, says Suggests that he should change wow. his management to show them that he has taken this seriously by the time he reapplies for his license. And it's like, if I were Jones, I was like, do you know who Ali Abdelaziz is? Because that's my other option. Wow. That's not, I mean, they can get themselves in trouble with that, man. Like, I know. You can't, that's, you're defacing someone's character right there. Right? I'm not, did they actually come out and say Melky? Or yeah, just his the management? management? His management. Well, the first, I mean, they can go after the commission for, that's just, ooh. Ooh, what are they insinuating? Ooh, that could get ugly, man. Be interesting to see. Uh, I wish it would have happened a while ago because I said, well, Malky's a funny guy. I, I, I conversed with Malky all of 0.7 seconds as he came by the broadcast booth with Camaro yeah. and I and to say hello. And he just kind of reached over as I'm calling a fight. And I kind of looked over and I did one of these things uh, and kept calling the fight and then no, then he was gone. I mean, no, no one sticks around after the show. Um, but when I was closing off the broadcast, I did want to talk to him, shoot the breeze with him. Gone. Uh, first round management, everybody gone. Uh, just all that was left was the Titan staff, a couple of the fighters, or oh, the fighters have got to stay because they got to get paid. They get paid yeah. after the show. So, But that's Melky. I don't know, man. Weird. The California ruling is handed down. He has his license revoked uh, by the CSAC in a doping case essentially for a year. Fined $205,000. He still has to face USADA. So we will see. If he shows up with that type of defense against them, it's going to be bad. Okay, back back to Cyborg Kuniskaya. You know, I want to give her some leeway because this was to, quote-unquote, save a card. But wasn't it just weeks ago when she and... Her, especially her management, were saying, we don't want to fight 135ers like Amanda Nunez. Forget the fact that she won a bunch of fights at 145. We want to fight 145ers. Well, uh, Yana Kuniskaya ain't that. She is a 135er. She's fought her last, I think, several fights at 135. Lost to well, lost to Tanya Evinger once, beat her kind of controversially. It was overturned, and won the Invicta bantamweight championship last August. Uh, whatever she has about a zero point five percent chance in beating Cyborg, and Cyborg will probably beat her in under two rounds. Under yeah, under two rounds, I would say. Um, as a practicing martial artist, Sean Rossap, uh, a mixed martial artist, a catch wrestler. I believe you understand technique uh, yeah. and the repetition of technique. I'm going to show you a technique in reply to your cyborg and the management uh, saying that they don't want to fight 135 pounders. What you do, you open – ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this live or watching this afterwards, you take your left hand. You put it out in front of you. You take your right hand, keep them open, and you put one over the other, and you do this. Okay, You go out, <laughs> in, out, 
in and then try to go as fast as you can. You don't have to do it more than three times. People will understand. Okay? You can hear it. Yeah. That's what a prize fighter does. A long time ago, uh, I'm going to say early 2000s when I was training at the uh, infamous Shaw Franco Martial Arts, which had uh, a variety of Canadian champions coming out of there, uh, including one said UFC fighter named Antonio Carvalho. Um, Shaw Franco said it best when he would always talk about Roy Jones Jr. And whenever we would talk about who our fighters are going to be fighting next – uh, and he made it clear. He's like, the one thing people don't understand is it's prize fighting. If you can get to the point where you can get paid to compete against talent that you know you can defeat, get paid. Right? Now, yeah. would, would would Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes make a boatload more money for Cyborg? Oh, hell yes. But a Cyborg getting paid, whatever is on her contract, plus a couple of pay-per-view points, which you may not get too much of against Yana, Yeah. So it all depends on, you know, for all we know, Cyber could be, you know, financially loaded. I don't think so, but she could be completely yeah. and utterly loaded where it's like, why risk it? Can't can't disagree. And Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar is not as easy to call because if Frankie Edgar takes this fight to the ground, he might lose it. Now, if it stays on the feet, I'm favoring a Frankie Edgar and that jab, that just overwhelming jab that he has. How do you think this one plays out? Because Brian Ortega, he ran into some trouble against Swanson, but he's had a couple of fight of the nights back-to-back, had a performance of the night. He's beaten Guida and Wicano and Swanson and guys like Diego Brandao and Tiago Tavares who can be a threat at any given at any given moment. He's got quite the resume. He's 13-0, 20, uh, 27, just turned 27. This could be a, a big name in that division, but... Man, whoever whoever wins faces that that challenge of Max Holloway coming up. But this is a good co-main event. This is, I mean, let's go back to when Frankie fought uh, Yair Rodriguez, right? There was a genuine concern for Frankie Edgar saying, this is it, man, the young buck. Young buck's going to take care of Frankie Edgar. Or the young buck's going to do this and that and this and that. And Lord have mercy, holy smokes, did Frankie Edgar prove otherwise. Yeah, are we back in the same situation right now with Brian Ortega, who who does have pretty damn good striking for himself, but a vicious ground game? Uh, are we looking at a situation where we're looking at Frankie Edgar again and saying, "Oh boy, young lion taking out old lion," or Frankie I, I Edgar? So. Yeah, will Frankie Edgar look at us and be like, "Hey, you sons of bitches," I don't think so. I got to fight Max Holloway. This kid's in my way. This kid's just a paycheck for me to get to, to to Max Holloway. And isn't that what Frankie Edgar always does? Yeah. Because right? he lost to Aldo the first time, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to come back. I'm going to beat Oliveira. I'm going to beat Penn. I'm going to beat Cub Swanson. I'm going to beat Faber. Uh, how about Chad Mendez, too? Didn't win his title fight against Aldo again. All right, well, who you got? Hardest hitting 145-pounder? I'll beat him. How about this young guy, Yair Rodriguez? I'll take him, too. Got his title shot, but didn't wait around for it. A lot of respect for Frankie Edgar for not waiting around for it. And uh, he's facing a Brian Ortega that's going to be a, a real challenge. This is one of those great fights because as we've seen from Brian Ortega, he's never out of a fight. <laughs> he's never out of a fight. Enough if he of gets what... his hands on you, yeah, you're in trouble. But go yeah. ahead. Enough of what we think. Here's what... 
the pros think? This is a, this is a tough one because, you know, um, well-rounded. I still think Frankie Edgar is way more well-rounded, and um, I, if I have to bet, I'm you know, Ortega is so much younger and hasn't had hasn't been in all the wars and everything. And but if I have to bet my money, I'm going to pick Frankie. I'm not going to bet against Frankie even, even now. Man, that's an awesome fight, but I'm so uh, disappointed that that Max got hurt. You know, uh, I really was looking forward to seeing that fight. Out of all the fights, I I wanted to see Max and and Frankie and then Ferguson Khabib. Those were like the two fights as a pure MMA fan that I wanted to see. You know, so uh, it sucks, but Ortega is really showing some amazing skills coming up, taking out Cub Swanson with the guillotine. Uh, really great jujitsu, improving striking. But Frankie's one of those guys from day one that just like finds a way to win no matter what he gets hurt in fights but he's always there he's cutting angles a lot of movement a lot of footwork and uh i gotta go with Edgar. it can go both ways honestly but who knows if frankie still has that power so i think that ortega's because eventually they're gonna get into a clinch and that's where ortega's really dangerous so i think that he's gonna submit frankie uh frankie Edgar. Uh, i think frankie Edgar wins uh he just he's a vet so he's he's so tough um He's good everywhere. I think he'll be prepared for uh, Ortega's jiu-jitsu. I think that, you know, Frankie Edgar is one guy that really could get away with taking Ortega down safely because, um, you know, he's, he's probably one of the best grapplers in MMA. I'm going with Frankie Edgar. Um, you know, I, I just see him outworking, outworking Brian. But, you know, Brian, no joke, his, his jiu-jitsu is, is real serious. But, you know, Frankie Edgar trains with Ricardo Almeida and uh, – uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm going Frankie for this fight. Honestly, I think it's a great matchup, man. Brian actually, you know, has he's he's pretty good at using his reach. He does he does like to brawl, which can kind of play into Frankie's little game. Um, but if if it gets close enough, Brian, if if you get too close to Brian, Brian's gonna snatch something up, and Brian's not afraid to pull guard. That's what people are like. Most people in MMA don't really do you know, do, and Brian will pull guard on you. And if he pulls guard on you, then you're in a whole world of trouble. So. Um, and it, and it actually plays in because Frankie's gonna have to close the distance in order in order to, to hit him. So I got I think my boy Brian's got it. Um, not only because I'm biased, but because it just plays into his game for sure. Tons of exclusive interviews like that over at FightfulMMA.com. Uh, and thank you to our sponsor at LivingSharp.com. If you need a gift idea, Joe, like maybe you're just stumped. Maybe you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas, for their birthday, for Valentine's Day. LivingSharp.com has a little bit of something for everybody in all price ranges. Head over there, check it out. Also, Wartime X, you can play on Apple and on Facebook. It combines war and poker, pretty much like our podcasts every day. Uh, yeah. But Absolutely. UFC, UFC so, I just want to say one thing. Has, uh, go ahead, sorry. prediction was kind of like... What? Dude's adamant that Ortega's going to submit him. Like, yeah. what? Holy and good. Speaking okay, of, good God. What do you think of Sukumtoth and O'Malley getting, like, the pay-per-view billing on this yeah. show? Above Struvarlovsky, Zingano Vieira, Dariush fighting anybody. Uh, Lombard <laughs> and Dalloway isn't that, that big of a deal. But Dodson Munoz? That's going to be a banger. But, you know, I've not seen enough of a Sean, Malley to, Sean O'Malley to think that he's going to beat Andre Sukumtoth. They love this kid, man. Who, they O'Malley or Sukumtoth? Yeah, Su- O'Malley. 
Oh, he's fun. Yeah. They absolutely love him. And you know Dana White put his finger on the matchmaking or the placement of this card and said, you are going to put him here. Because ever since the you know Dana White Contender Series, uh, this kid's got lots and lots of love because they want as many eyeballs as possible viewing this kid. Because not that they're saying that he's going to be the next 135 pound champ, but he's a fun kid to watch. Yeah. Right. I mean, with that, uh, he didn't cut his hair, did he? I'm going to assume no. But <laughs> like that furrow is just awesome. Like get her done. I mean, um, but you, you you can go up and down this card. Um, I mean, anytime Cats and Gano fights, I'm interested. Uh, and that's not the old, weird, preliminary UFC fight pass theory yeah. that you have. Um, yeah, okay, she's a beautiful woman, but I'm always paying attention to someone who's gone through that type of adversity to see how they react uh, every time they fight. So very excited to see how Cat competes. Uh, Struve I saw for like 18 seconds in, in, in Florida. I didn't have a chance to speak with him, but uh, him and Arlovsky, I mean – I thought Orlowski was gone. Guess not, right? Like, I thought he was just going to, where can I take my services? Because you know he can go uh, to, to Russia or Belarus and compete over there. Well, yeah, right? after after beating Junior Albini, that gave him a new lease on life. He's probably got a couple more losses in him. But Struve, I think, if you're going to – I've said this before. I think Struve is a perfect Brock Lesnar opponent because I think Brock Lesnar beats him. Brock Lesnar can get his hips underneath him very well. Struve doesn't like to hit people especially at range. But when he does hit people, he'll knock out people like Steve Miocic. So that's a, a pretty good feather in the cap. As far as this fight, man, it's tough to say because Strew finds a way to lose to a lot of people that he shouldn't lose to, and so does Arlovsky. But they've both got some in the tank. It's not like they're terrible fighters or anything. It's just it's it, neither one of them have been consistent in a positive manner recently. Yeah, it's but it's also you know I mean I know Struve's younger, Arlovsky you know he's a former heavyweight champ of the world, right? At some point there's just you're now fighting almost for for pride and for a paycheck, right? I mean Struve just has to go on what a two or three fight winning streak, that's it, and he he gets his rematch with Miocic. That's it, just a couple, right? just a couple enough to get it done. Two fights I think does it because he's he's won two of his last three. He lost to Volkov who's very good fighter, but I think that would get it done. Very, I'm actually very excited for that fight. Also, Zingano Vieira. See, the Zingano thing, it would piss me off when people said, oh, have Zingano fight Cyborg. And I'm thinking, what? What are you talking about? And even people are saying, oh, maybe maybe Zingano for Nunez. And I'm like, no, I'd like for her to have won sometime in the last three and a half years. She's not won since before her Ronda Rousey fight. Now, she beats Caitlin Vieira. Sure, give her give her Cyborg. Don't give her Nunez. Not yet. Not after one win in the last three years, no. But if Caitlin Vieira wins, Caitlin Vieira could be in that spot. Caitlin's doing very good, and she could. She's, she's a big 135-er. So after four straight wins, and those wins being Sarah McMahon and Kat Zingano, I could see Vieira getting a Bantamweight title shot or a Featherweight title shot. And uh, I think that Vieira's going to get it done, and I think she's going to win this fight. It's, it's well, she's the favorite. Sorry, you, you think Vieira's going to win this fight? Yeah, yeah, minus one fifty favorite. So, uh, are you thinking that should be more, like minus two hundred, two fifty? It's tough to say because I don't know what what a Katzengano can bring. She hasn't fought in a year and a half. Yeah, and that's that's 
extremely dangerous in general when you haven't competed uh, for that long because technically speaking, you want to be able – in a perfect world, ask Dominic Cruz. In a perfect world, you compete, you take 30 days off, you start camp slowly, and you're back competing within eight weeks. Okay, so you want to be able to ideally compete every three to four months just to keep your body in shape and ensure that during your time off, you are recuperating, you are recovering, you uh, get your week or two weeks down in the Caribbean uh, or somewhere hot. and Don't do anything. I mean, Jay-Z Cavalcante is the king of this. Uh, He's got active rest, fantastic active rest, uh, whether it includes paddleboarding or surfing or whatever, but not trauma to the body. Um, when you're taking that much time off, it doesn't matter. I, I know we've we've had the argument before, not you and I argument, but just fighters have said it in general. There's no real such thing as ring rust. Damn well, there's ring rust, man. In every professional sport, you cannot train mixed martial arts or combat sports like you do in a in the real environment because you get your ass knocked out. And you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about, for example, Rich Franklin and Kung Lee, but. Franklin's lights were shut out real quick in that fight, which led me to believe this guy probably got knocked out a few times in training, right? So I see where you're saying that Caitlin Vieira is going to she'll win this fight, and Katzengano has been gone for a while. I could see that. My heart's always with Katzengano, though. I mean, I, I don't I don't make predictions with my heart. My heart's always with her, though. Ashley Yoder, Mackenzie Dern, Benil Dariush, Alex Hernandez, who stepped up on short notice, CB Dalloway, Hector Lombard. Mike Pyle, Zach Atow, Brian Caraway, Cody Stamen, all interesting for different reasons. Brian Caraway no longer has the heat of being Misha Tate's guy. He has no heat. So he's yeah. like, you know what? I guess I got to fight again. I guess I got to do that. And finally, he's fighting. He's fighting a Cody Stamen who's probably going to bring it to him. Uh, Caraway's first fight since May of 2016. Before that, he hadn't fought since July of 2015. Before that, October 2014. So the guy does not fight very often. And uh, if he loses here, man, is he going to lose so much steam on the fight pass prelims. Mike Pyle is the one I really want to talk about out of these. We know Mackenzie Dern. This is going to be a big test for her. And uh, she's 5-0, a person that the UFC has had their eye on, 24, about to be 25 years old. But Mike Pyle is the one I want to talk about because he has announced that he will retire after this fight. He's 42 years old. He is up there with sea level Kane, with Kimbo six months of sprawl training uh, as the the legends, essentially. Jim Mike Pyle is like one of those legends you always hear of, but he's lost four or five. A storied career. We, we often mention the OGs and the the OG start date is starting to creep up closer and closer to the current date, but he's a guy that fought Quentin Rampage Jackson in November of 1999, Joe. Yeah. yeah. And you know who his second fight was against? Was it Bonner? Second, second pro fight in 2002 was against John Fitch. John Fitch, yeah. Hot dog. How? Yeah. Man. And you know who is? you know who he fought just a few years later? Andre Simonov. Oh, my. And it's like, uh, uh, all right, man. Okay. And uh, despite that that stretch, he stuck with it. He went on a hot streak. He he had runs in WEC, IFL, Elite XC, Strike Force. He was in affliction. And for the past, uh, like, gosh, nine years he's been in the UFC, and he's just 
He's been a guy that will hang around. He'll fight anybody. And sad to see him go. Sad to see him yeah. go. It's it's. I mean, I was blessed to be around that uh, best gym fighter era, uh, especially when he was over at Extreme Couture, because uh, we'd be in Vegas six times a year, five six times a year, uh, covering the UFC pay per views with Sportsnet. So uh, I got to see Mike a whole lot, especially with Frank Trigg uh, being out of the gym. At any one point in time, if I needed an interview with anybody, uh, I could contact uh, you know Mike or Frank. Hey, who's there? Can I come by? Can you you know? Would you mind speaking to them? Is it okay we come by with the camera crew? So I got to see a whole lot of Mike Pyle uh, and that lovely hairdo uh, all the time. Uh, and he's just he, he's worth a million bucks. He's worth a million bucks. Yeah. He was one of the originators, along with Junior Dos Santos, uh, in calling me Pitbull. So he was the guy that first started off, and that's how old, you want to get OG. That's how far back that Pipple reference goes. Um, so yeah, he, he's. I, I've always got time for. I've got time for Mike Pyle. Uh, only problem is, is you know, has Father Time caught up to him? Right. I think so. His body cannot take those punches anymore, or his chin can't take him anymore, in my opinion. But you just never know. You just never know. He's got that skill set where he can. Old wily veteran. Not old old. Wiley veteran, you just never know what these guys have up their sleeve. Uh, although Zakatau, I think, is going to bring it to him. He's a minus 280 favorite, so uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I've, I'll always have time for Mike Powell. Yeah, I, I do think he'll stay retired, unlike many people in this Bellator era where they'll sign up anybody. I think he, I think he's done. Now, one of the most intriguing fights on this show to me is John Dodson, Pedro Munoz, if it happens. But uh, Munoz had the trouble, but man, what a fight this is, Joe. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It is a high-level Bantamweight fight that I'm just pumped for. Yeah. Um, Dotson's a minus 175 favorite. It's going down. Uh, but, you know, Jose Shorty Torres talked at length with me about Pedro Munoz. Munoz. Uh, and was just, I wouldn't say his eyes lit up when he spoke about him, but he's like, man, that guy's good. That guy's good. And it's funny because Shorty Torres also trained with Jaw Dotson. So, you know, I know our, our, my interview with him afterwards at the post fight at Titan FC uh, did reflect the fact that, you know, I could have got some information from him. We're just in a quick rush, but that would have been a good conversation with Torres regarding Dotson and Munoz, seeing as he's trained with both of them. But I know his eyes lit up when he talked about Munoz big time. And he specifically mentioned it to me uh, during the pre-fight interview leading up to the show uh, of the guys that he's trained with uh, over at American Top Team. So, yeah, this is this is going to be a ridiculous fight. It's going to say a lot about John Dotson, too. Right. I mean, yeah. John Dodson, when we take a look at some of the stuff that he's done in the past and, you know, the one thing that I've mentioned along the way um, with John Dodson, you take a look at his fight with, you know, with John Lineker, uh, with Marlon Morass and, and, you know, with Eddie Wineland, he, he was fine. But in general, it's like John has always been like, dude, you got to pull that trigger, man. You got to pull that trigger. You know, you're not getting any younger. Right. Like it's 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 at a point now you're 33 years old, son. Got to get going here got to get going especially in this division you got to get going obviously you can't do much at 125 uh that's why you went to 135 so you got to start putting together a string of, of fights here where you get finishes and easy for me to say i'm not putting my health at risk but that's what's required man now before we go i want to talk about uh, the bellator 200 announcements there were a couple of uh fights announced for that phil davis linton vassell i think that is a good light heavyweight fight 
But you have Michael Venom Page really getting the biggest fight of his career against David Rickles. That is one hell of a test for MVP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not the fight that we've all wanted to see, but it's a damn good fight. Yeah, well, he and Paul Daly aren't making that fight possible. That's, <laughs> that's just it. And Michael Page isn't some hot young prospect now. This isn't uh, this isn't 2012 when he emerged on the scene six years ago as a I think he was 24. He is he'll be 31 this year. Yeah, it's time to give him guys that that. Uh, are worth his time. And Fernando Gonzalez was worth his time, in my opinion. That was a good test, too. So I don't want to try to disrespect him because Fernando Gonzalez is a hell of an opponent. Uh, also, Gegard Musashi, Rafael Carvalho, that is a fight. Now, you can say what you want about Gegard Musashi's debut, but ooh, that is a top-flight MMA fight. Yeah. Um it's going to be interesting to see because if Carvalho can pull this off, that curse of Bellator fighters taking out UFC uh, fighters. Uh, I know Roy, Roy McDonald's a champ right now, and Roy McDonald did what he did at 170. Uh, although I'm still kind of bitter because I don't think he won that fight. Um, Carvalho taking out Musasi would be absolutely fantastic, not just for him, but for the Bellator brand. Uh, but it would also be great for Musasi to put a belt around his waist. right? Oh, and, hell yeah. But what's he going to do? He's going to, who's he going to call out? Right, can't be calling out the guys in the UFC. Hey, Chris Weidman, get over here. Can't call out Ryan Bader. Right, Ryan Bader's fighting for the heavyweight title. You know what he could say? Hey, throw me in as an alternate, and I'll wreck all these guys like I did in the Super Hulk. Right, back in the day. Back about, in the day, yeah. How about that? How about yep. that? I thought that Bellator's bookings were very good. We also have Gastelum, Jacare on the docket. I was partial, not not for Bellator, obviously, but. I was partial to maybe a Weidman Gastelum and then a Romero Jacare to see who looked more impressive. But, you know, I'm not mad at this fight. Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Marias. Finally, that is a main event. A good one. And what that tells me more importantly, Joe, is that this is me speculating, but Dillashaw, Mighty Mouse is happening if both of those guys are tied up in a fight. We move the pieces around, ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah. So, what else you got, Joe? Other than the one piece of the blinds or the little space between the <laughs> blinds, that sun hit me right in my eye here. I don't want to get too close to the camera and get too far back, but uh, that's about it, man. I'm just I'm, I'm paying very close attention to this John Jones stuff now, especially what they said about his management. Um, you know, sniffing around with this Brock Lesnar situation. What is the real deal with that? may have to tune into some WWE wrestling to see what's going on with Ronda Rousey. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to, to Saturday's event. Other than that, I have stuff to do. <laughs> lots and lots and lots of stuff to do, but uh, paying close attention to everything. Uh, and every time I come on the site, FightfulMMA.com uh, is what I visit, uh, I seem to get distracted after reading all the MMA stuff and kind of making my way over to some of the, the boxing and wrestling stuff. So uh, yeah. it just never, ever gets, man. Got, never got gets. Carlos into some betting guides. He does that Fightful... Boxing newsletter. I'd love for James to put one together, but man, that guy's schedule is so tight. But I would love for him to like, because I know that a lot of people don't have time to watch all of his interviews. He does so many, but he does a great mix of fighting up and comers, established guys, things like that. I know we got Kiesa this week, so uh, he'll be on a future episode of Holy Smokes. But lots of good stuff over at FightfulMMA.com. Head over there, guys. We have live coverage. Swing by on Saturday. Even if you're not around for the fights, just drop in, say, hey, here are my picks. Whatever. All that stuff. I'm doing a live post show with James Lynch after that. 
But I'll ask you, Joe, do you have the show up on another window? Oh, right now? Yeah. Yeah, of course I do. Okay. You're going to see the video that I posted in response to Corey Graves insinuating that all journalists or people that think that they're journalists want to work for the WWE. Take a look, guys. I know that I said I didn't want to work for WWE when Corey Graves posted that tweet and kind of indicated that anybody who fancies themselves as a wrestling journalist wanted to work for WWE, but the truth is I do. I really do. But it's not as a writer. I I want to work for WWE in all aspects of production. Like, Kevin Dunn, I'm coming for your job. I've been been practicing. Now, I know that I just have a little home office here in Ewing, Kentucky, but uh, I've been having my wife help me practice, and I think I have the WWE style down. Zoom! 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 Fucking camera cut! Camera cut! Camera cut! Do it! You gotta fucking do it! There's some trial and error mainly on her part, but uh, thanks to the WWE's style guide, essentially, I think I've nailed it. This is how you do it! It's just the way things are. I've been working my WWE style commentary oh. too, and I think I'm pretty oh. good. Oh, oh my! The shield is rolling. See, when I get to WWE, uh, things won't be different. But I mean, at least I'll finally work there, right? I'm far too proud of myself. Far too proud of myself, Joe. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. That was awesome. That was awesome. I did that in about ten minutes, and people were like, "How'd you get your wife to do that?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, you know, anything to get us to move to Connecticut, right?" Like she was just. <laughs> I'll talk more about this on the list and your boy on Wednesday because that was awesome. There are full stories behind this and and all that. I didn't even have time to level the audio the first go around. I had to redo it, but that's what you get over at fightful.com. To my to me like there there are enough completely straight people playing the straight dude, not sexually in media. You got to be able to add some comedy in there. You got to be able to add some flavor. But that's what we got. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Follow me at Sean Ross at Follow us at Fightful Online. Guys, until next time, we are out. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.